The scripture reading this morning is Psalm 91. Psalm 91. I noticed in the bulletin that the minister this evening will be giving us a sermon on Psalm 90. I'm glad I didn't pick the same one. Um, but uh, these two psalms really fit together uh, so um, beautifully that I'm sure you will be nourished by having uh, this beginning of book four in the book of the Psalms. Two different psalms, they're closely related, yet Psalm 90, as you will probably notice this evening, is more of a corporate uh, matter, while as this one is quite individual and quite personal. And so uh, this deals with God's daily care, and uh, there's confidence in God, whereas uh, the other psalm uh, speaks in a similar vein, but more with the whole body. You'll hear more about that, I'm sure, uh, this evening. Before we read, let us pray. Our Father in God, what a privilege we have on this, the first Lord's Day of the new year, to open your word, to gather here in your house, to be present with brothers and sisters in Christ, fellow saints, those who pray and trust, those who experience sorrow and heartbreak, but those above all, who are called by the name of Jesus Christ. So we pray that you will write on our hearts the words of this psalm as we read it and as it is proclaimed. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 91 has long been a great comfort to thousands of believers. When they are facing danger or distress of some kind, 
many have turned to Psalm 91. Throughout the centuries, whenever there was pestilence or plague, Christians acted with courage when they were nourished by Psalm 91. My own father left for military service during World War II, and his minister at the Steen Reformed Church in Steen, Minnesota, gave him a small pocket New Testament that also had with it the book of Psalms. And Psalm 91 was particularly marked in that book for him. And he later said that he turned to this psalm many times during those four long years of war in the 1940s. Psalm 91 is indeed a wonderful treasure in times of severe testing. And we have all had our share of trials. Some have heard, no doubt looking back over the last year, the dreaded word cancer or accompanying words like tumor or radiation or chemotherapy. Others have had other surgeries. Some have struggled with doubt and with sin and with depression and with inward pain. Each of us has had to bear one another's burdens in facing death, as we heard of two of instances of that already today, in facing injury, in facing aging, and taking care of aged parents or other loved ones, or even the loss of a job. Painful betrayals of trust have sometimes been our experience. Unexpected separations, sins of abuse or neglect, and we know all too well, as we think of these things, what it is to be tested in our trust in the Father in heaven. Add to that our concerns for the state of the world when you hear the news, and probably shouldn't listen to the news that much, but, um, and also the state of the church. Of course, we want to be informed, I understand. We know from all of this that trial is the regular experience of believers in Jesus Christ. And so, as the new year 2023 begins, I urge you to take Psalm 91 as your companion through this year, and especially in its beginning. We don't even know who the human author of Psalm 91 is. There is no title for it. The Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, those translators do ascribe this psalm to David. But not everyone is convinced. It may have been a priest or a Levite. Some have thought even Moses could have been the author of Psalm 91, although it does ascribe Psalm 90 to him. It does not say Psalm 91 is from Moses. And yet it sounds a lot like words that Moses would speak. Deuteronomy 32 or Deuteronomy 33, verse 27. Uh, it seems to be so close to this. The eternal God is your refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms that almost seems to echo. Either this one echoes that or that echoes this. A psalm like this, though, is likely timeless and anonymous. If it is anonymous, then it seems to fit any setting in our lives. So I want to urge you, brothers and sisters, in Jesus this morning, to let this psalm draw you into the very presence 
of the heart and the heart of your Savior and God this year. The burden of Psalm 91 is that we live in the shadow of the Almighty. And this is worked out in three sections. If you have your Bible open, you'll notice verses 1 and 2 especially call us to trust Him and remind us that we may trust Him completely. Verses 1 and 2, trust Him completely. Then the second part, verses 3 through 13, remind us that the reason we can trust Him is that we have complete security. He will protect us. We have complete security in the shadow of the Almighty. And then the last section of the psalm, verses 14 through 16, remind us that we can claim rich promises because we dwell and as we dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. You can claim rich promises. So consider, first of all, that you may trust God completely as verses 1 and 2 tell us. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. The idea of seeking refuge in the shadow of the Almighty is to stay there continually, to dwell in the shadow of the Almighty. You don't flit in and out of the secret place, but you remain there, trusting, staying near to God. This confronts us when we often think, well, we can come and go. We can be close to God for a while, but then we'll draw back and we'll go our own way. But here the idea is of being in close fellowship with God continuously, to be with God, to be in His presence, that becomes clear. We realize this when we think of how good it is to be in the shade of God. The shadow offers shade. People in places like Phoenix, Arizona, may call you up and tell you when it's 20 below zero here that it's 121 degrees over there but they'll always say it's a dry heat. All of us are aware of extreme temperatures. Right now, we're probably more aware of cold and chill. But in the summer, there is humidity, drought, and intense heat. That's in that time that we crave shade and air conditioning. But now we need to ask, how can God, who is a spirit and has not a body like men, how can God cast a shadow? How can God put us in His shade if He isn't a physical being? Imagine being in the Middle East, Eastern heat in semi-arid climate, and you can understand this imagery. Remaining under the shadow of the Almighty is protection, not just from literal heat, but from all sorts of evils. He is our refuge. We, we have a secret place, a hiding place with Him. Al Shaddai, the Almighty, is the one before whom no enemy can stand, according to the New Testament, not even death. He says in 2 Corinthians 6, 18, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Ephesians 1, refers to His incomparable great power for us who believe. 
This trust in Him needs to be nurtured. And how do we do that? We do it as we consider who God is. And the psalm here uses two prominent Old Testament names for God. One is Elyon, which is translated the Most High. That name is used in Genesis 14, verse 8, where Melchizedek blesses Abram and say, says, Blessed be Abram by Elyon, the all-sufficient one, is basically the idea. And then later, God gives the other name, the El Shaddai. He introduces himself to Abraham, saying, I am the El Shaddai, the might, almighty God, Genesis 17, verse 1. He says the same thing to Jacob. I am El Elyon, God Almighty. Jacob blesses, Isaac blesses Jacob as he leaves for Paddan Aram and says in Genesis 28, verse 3, God Almighty bless you. Stephen in the New Testament in Acts 7, verse 48, proclaims that the Most High does not live in houses made by men. Paul declares, every knee shall bow to Christ and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You can see how these two names for God, Elyon and El Shaddai, or the Most High and God Almighty, are woven into Scripture. And this leads us to consider then what God does. You can trust Him because of who He is, but also because of what He does. He is our refuge and shelter, as the psalmist teaches us to confess. He reveals himself as a savior in Jesus in the New Testament, giving his life for us. And so we can confess our faith and trust as he says, I will say of him in verse 2. So before we move on to the next section of the psalm, we have to ask, and I call upon you to ask in Christ's name, how will you nurture trust in the shadow of the Almighty in this new year? Let me suggest there could be all kinds of answers to that. There are various ways, using the means of grace and so on. Let me suggest one very obvious way in which you and I can cultivate trust in the shadow, the one who is the, in the, resting in the shadow of the Almighty, and that is to read the Word of God daily. It's so obvious, I hardly need to say it, and yet I do need to say it because we don't do it very Regularly, do we? In our times, we're so busy. Read it at your table, brothers and sisters. Which means have a table. How many of us don't have a table? Oh, we have one in the house, but do we ever sit there? Do we ever reflect on God and His Word there? Read it privately. Better, read it with your children if you have children in the house. Read it with the other members of your family. And whoever is there, whoever shows up at your table, read it. Aim to read it through it in a year, if possible. You can do that, a chapter a day. There's a famous, there are various plans for reading through it. The Ligonier Study Center can give you many of those. You can find it online. One of those is the McShane plan where you read four chapters of the Bible a day. This takes a little discipline, but you can do it. Four chapters a day will give you the New Testament twice, all the Psalms twice, and the Old Testament, the rest of the Old Testament once. 
in the entire year. You'll get through it. And you'll be amazed at how you see comparisons between one place and another. If you have four bookmarks, you can be reading in Genesis, the Psalms, and the Prophets, and Matthew all in one day. And this will nurture trust in the Almighty. The shadow of the Almighty will rest on you. You can be standing in His shade as you read His Word. That's one application. Let's move on to the second section, which teaches that you can have complete security in God. Verses 3 through 13. We see that security as we know that God delivers us from all sorts of evils or perils. The, the verses 3 through 8 particularly tell us about that. God alone, he says, is truly able and willing to deliver. And there's a list here of various kinds of evils or perils in the psalm to help us realize how and from what many things God does deliver. And it fits any number of circumstances. There's seven in all mentioned here beginning in verse 3. He delivers you from the fowler snare in verse 3. The snare of the fowler. That's the enemy, including the tempter. And then there's the deadly pestilence mentioned in verse 3. The terror of the night in verse 5. The arrow that flies by day in verse 5. The pestilence that stalks in the darkness and the plague that devastates at noonday in verse 6. And he protects you from falling with thousands and ten thousands there in that same place. Verse 7. Here, God's tender care is described. As we think of the entire picture of an adult bird with wings that covers you, it mentions God's pinions and wings, or his feathers and wings. A, a, a bird will protect its young by putting them under the wings. All of this is rooted in God's faithfulness. Verse 4 mentions he is that there we will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler or rampart, a, a, a fortress around us. And think of the precision with which God knows His own. A thousand may fall at your side. Ten thousand at your right hand. But it will not come near you. Now that doesn't mean you'll never have any trouble. The point is that God is so precise in all His care of us that He can make it so that all kinds of people can fall around you, but you will not be touched. And that's been a great comfort for many a Christian soldier in danger from enemy fire. Yes, there are some Christian soldiers that get shot or blown up. That's true. But God is so precise in His care of you that there could be 10,000 falling around you and you would stand out. You would somehow be protected. Isn't that exactly what He's been doing all your life? Why are you still here? When thousands of people have gotten cancer or gotten this or that, and the other thing, or had an accident. And it does happen. We, we know this happens even to Christians. But you're here because God is so precise in the way He takes care of us. And He has all kinds of ways to protect us from dangers. Look at verses 9 through 13. Verse 9 reminds us that He is our shelter, our dwelling place, our refuge. This stresses the contents of verses 1 and 2 being a refuge, a protecting place, a hiding place. 
Specifically, it mentions here the ministry of angels. God takes care of us through angels. They're assigned to take charge of you in all your ways. When you're in danger, it says they pick you up. Now, Satan used this verse to tempt Jesus in the wilderness. But Jesus just points out to him that we should not tempt God. And of course, that's right. Hebrews 1 verse 14 reminds us that angels are sent to serve the saints. That doesn't mean you're going to see an angel physically. It doesn't mean each of us even has our own guardian, private guardian angel. Rather, we have a host of angels to watch over us at God's command. Think about Elisha in Dothan in 2 Kings 6 verses 16 and 17. They're scared to death because the Syrians are all around. And Elisha's servant says, we're not going to make it. What, what's going to happen? We're surrounded by soldiers. And then Elisha says, there are more with us than with them. And he prays, Lord, open his eyes. And then the servant's eyes are open and he sees horses and chariots of fire all around them. We can't all see it. Elisha did, and they did on that special occasion. But do you think God had horses and chariots of fire for them and not for you just because you can't see it? He doesn't let you see everything, but you know it all. You know it, and he will give his angels charge over you to lift you up in all your ways. Even terrible dangers can come to you, but God will be with you in those dangers. He says you shall tread on the lion and the adder. You'll trample on the young lion and the serpent. Beautiful poetic language there in verses 12 and 13. Notice that God doesn't necessarily protect us from those perils, but He protects us in all of them. The NIV translation of Romans 8.28 says, In all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who are called according to His purpose. And that may be an accurate reflection of that verse. There are other ways of translating it too. But it isn't that God always um, arranges everything the way we would like it. But in all the things that come, whether they're terrible things or not, He is at work for our good and according to His glorious purpose. And that brings us to the last part of the psalm. You can claim rich promises here. There are promises of the gifts of God here, almost in ascending climax that encourages us to dwell in the shadow of the Almighty, to stay in the secret place, to trust Him. There's deliverance. I will rescue Him. There's protection. I will protect Him. There are answers to prayer. He will call upon me and I will answer Him. There's His presence. I will be with Him in trouble. Verse 15. There's honor to the one delivered and honor Him, he says. There's length of days. With long life, I will satisfy him. Verse 16. There's an understanding that he gives you of his rich and variegated salvation. I will show him my salvation. Verse 16, the last part. How beautifully we see that salvation and its splendor. When we meditate on the meaning of being chosen from before the foundation of the world, born again, justified, adopted, sanctified, and even glorified as Romans 8, 29 to 30 teaches to do as we reflect on it. And all of these promises 
are given to us for reasons of God's own. It's God's purposes that He, that he has in mind. It's because He loves me. Verse 14. Well, why does He love you? We don't know. He loves you. That's enough, isn't it? He knows and acknowledges my name. Verse 14. He calls upon me. Verse 15. He is in trouble. God's reasons for taking care of us, we don't even know all of them. But here are some of them. He calls to me, us in His Word and reminds us of these things. And so the testimony of the Bible continually confirms all of these things. Think of other places where Moses reminds us of them. Exodus 19, verse 4, I carried you on eagle's wings. Deuteronomy 32, 11, like an eagle that spreads its wings, God takes care of you. He speaks of God as a refuge in Deuteronomy 32, verse 37. The rock they took refuge in is the way he speaks of God. Again, there are angels, guardian angels. Exodus 23, verse 20. See, I am sending an angel ahead of you. Is that a guardian angel for one individual? No, it's for the whole church, the whole body. I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way in the wilderness and to bring you to the place I have prepared, to Canaan. That angel is going to lead them. Then there's protection from illness. Exodus 25, 23, 25, and 26. I will take away sickness from among you. doesn't mean we'll never get sick. But in all of it, whenever there is healing and whenever you're protected from sickness, it's the Lord who protects you. Protection from plagues are mentioned in Exodus 8, 23, 22, and 23. Egypt received certain plagues. Israel didn't even get them. He says, I will deal differently with the land of Goshen where my people live. No swarms of flies will be there. Here's a discriminating love. God has a discriminating love for us. There might be others that get plagues, but he has a special love for the people of Israel there. What about Jesus? We've seen how Jesus replies to Satan when he misquotes Psalm 91, verse 12. And he points out the fallacy. Of course, an insurance policy doesn't cover the appliance when you misuse it. And Satan cannot be assured that in if Jesus jumps off the temple, God will protect him. No, that would be abusing it. And yet it is every bit true that God's holy angels do lift us up when we're about to stumble and fall. Jesus actually promised authority to trample serpents and scorpions. Luke 10, verse 19. And over all the power of the enemy, Jesus conquered the evil one. 1 John 3, verse 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And then how can we keep away from the thought that Paul has in Romans 8? Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And this inseparable love is ours because Jesus gave his life blood for us and his body and holds us firmly in his grip. But we question it, don't we? Even as I'm saying this, you think it sounds wonderful. We all think that. But we question it. We do experience perils. And we often suffer harm. Even if we do as Christians trust and obey and take refuge in our God and trust 
El Shaddai and El Elyon, the Most High and the, uh, the, the, the one who is, gives us his shadow. That's when we need to remember Spurgeon's comment on these words. He says this, It is impossible that any ill should happen to the man who is beloved of the Lord. And obviously, the women and children are included. Ill to this person is no ill, but only good in a mysterious form. Losses enrich him. Sickness is his medicine. Reproach is his honor. Death is his gain. No evil in the strict sense can happen to him. For everything is overruled for good. Isn't that a great comfort? And isn't that the assurance we find? Oh yes, we can die. We can get sick. It'll happen. Somebody will get shot. Whatever. But everything is overruled for good. And therefore, you and I must remain in the shadow of the Almighty. Always. Take this psalm. Chew on it. Meditate on it. Throughout this year, God promises I will be with him in trouble. A young couple just got married this week. But young couples who get married don't always think there will be trouble. And we certainly don't wish it for them. We pray they will be spared. But many married confess, couples confess that going through trouble and testing together only strengthens the bond between them. Our hearts ache when trouble strikes early in a marriage. And I know one young couple in particular who began their marriage with trouble. The husband came down with a very serious and unusual medical condition even before the wedding. And he suffered through it during their entire married life. And later he died, but they had had 30 or more years together. And his wife, the wife, later testified that if it hadn't been for God's faithfulness and the faith he had given them, they would never have made it together. But they had made it, and God had kept them even with lots of medical problems all the way through. So think of this. God promises to go through trouble with you too. And when he does, you're drawn closer to him and he to you. For Isaiah 43 verse 2 tells us, When you pass through the water, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. So as this year begins, we need to dwell in the secret place and rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I received an email some years ago from my college roommate. His sister was struggling with cancer and had major surgery during that year. And her most recent blog post, she had given thanks for all the blessings that she had during that year. And in addition, she said, in addition to surviving her cancer another year, there was the repair of a hole in her granddaughter's heart. There was another year for her with her 97-year-old mother. 
They were precious times for her with her family. And so then she says, since I was diagnosed with cancer and started doing some more in-depth examination of my soul, I find the high point for the church service for me is the benediction. The pronouncement of God's blessing at the end of the service. She says, to me it is extremely encouraging but also challenging when I am discouraged on a particular Lord's Day, I hear the blessing taken from Numbers 6, 24 to 26, the familiar words, the Lord bless you and keep you. And she says, I leave feeling overwhelmed that God blesses me and gives me peace. Dear friends, Psalm 91 assures us that this benediction is real. God actually does bless you when you rest in the shadow of His wings. And so my prayer for you and for all of us is that His blessing rest upon us, that He will actually bestow mighty strength upon us as we look forward to this new calendar year under the protection, under the shadow of the Almighty. El Shaddai. Let us pray. Our Father, thank you for this beautiful, nourishing, strengthening, encouraging, uplifting song. A sobering one, but nevertheless one that reminds us that we are constantly in the secret place, under the shadow of the Almighty, under the One who cares completely for us and has so cared for us that He gave us His precious Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Enable us to trust in you in this year. Enable us to be completely confident that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That everything is indeed overruled for good. Hear us, O Lord, and give us confidence in this year. In the name of Christ, amen.